This is the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. Today's message is from the Receive Sermon Series. In this series, we're looking closer at the work and the power of the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Good morning, Life Church. So uh, good to see all of you. I'd like to take a moment and welcome every one of you. Welcome, 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 welcome. welcome. Forget that old joke. I hope you've been able to be a part of this series on the book of Acts. This is uh, something, it's a book I read at least all the way through at least twice a year, and I go and I visit it on a regular basis because this is one of those places where the narrative is the theology, where we begin to see God doing the thing he did always wanted to do in invading the lives and hearts of men. And so today, we've been talking about the, uh, you know, we've been talking about some of the heroes, some of the, the, the major characters, but today, the central hero, the real hero is the Holy Spirit. He's the one who tells the story in the book and, and what he's doing. I have, a, I have a three-year-old granddaughter, and uh, she's, she's really amazing, but she's at that point, you know, where most kids ask why all the time. And parents remember that? Well, she's there, except that she doesn't ask why. She asks how. Got the wrong interrogative. You know, it's like she wants to know how that happened, how that happened. And I was thinking about it. I thought, you know, this is what we're into, that the gospel kind of told us why. This savior that had to come because we were so lost and so far away. But how he was going to spread it, that's the book of Acts. So my granddaughter just jumped to the book of Acts, that's all. <laughs> this, is the, this is the story of, of Jesus, of, of the Holy Spirit arriving and occupying the, the followers. This was the story of the birth of the church. This is the story of the practical beginning of everything that God intended to accomplish through Jesus's death and resurrection. Everything depends on the Holy Spirit's presence in my life and in your life. His presence determines the effectiveness of this church or any other church that proclaims him Lord. Christianity is experiential. Does everybody understand that? It's meant to be experienced. It's meant, meant to be lived. It's meant, it's meant to, to penetrate into the core of your being, into your hearts, your dreams, your relationship. It's meant to, con- to, to come into your secrets. It's, it's meant to, to come into your past and certainly to come into your future. Christianity is experiential. It is not a religion of rote and memorization and obligation, but it is a, a, a dynamic relationship with a living God who has a plan to act in us, with us, and through us to establish his kingdom on this earth. See, that is what was being accomplished on the day of Pentecost. 
If anything of eternal value ever happens, if permanent, if there's ever permanent or, or positive transformation, or, or there's going to be anything meaningful really occur in our life, it will only be because the Holy Spirit has been involved. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. This is where it happens. This is the day, and the faithful uh, reporter here is giving us this this moment-by-moment play of of what occurs on this day. Uh, Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The day of Pentecost had arrived. Now, now Pentecost was a, was a Jewish, a yearly Jewish feast where, where they celebrated the giving of the Torah through Moses to, to the children of Israel. They also at that time were celebrating the beginning of the harvest for that year, the, the wheat harvest. So it was observed, uh, Pentecost came exactly 50 days after Passover, Passover being that moment when God set the children of Israel free from uh, Egypt. And so it was, it, it was always mem- uh, memor- mem- commemorated, <laughs> get it out here, by people coming from all over the world, Jews from all over the world, to come and be reminded of this unique relationship that they had because they were the chosen people. See, the, the children of Israel were, were God's safety deposit box. Everything about his truth and all of his promises that he wanted to have known up until that moment were deposited with them. And because they accepted that responsibility, they, they had tremendous favor, but they also took on tremendous responsibility, which required a lot of discipline. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. The law defined their relationship with the Father, but it established their identity as a people totally set apart. They were peculiar in all of the earth. God chose this day, this Pentecost, though, to deliver on this other great promise that he had been making for a very long time. He was going to pour out his Holy Spirit to empower and to become the source of a new identity for this newly born group of people and equip them by, the, by that same source. Um, it also was going to be the beginning of a harvest that has not stopped. This particular Pentecost, of course, occurred 50 days after that Passover, the one where Jesus became the, the uh, Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, where he died and, and then rose, the de- uh, rose from the dead and, and therefore securing for us in his resurrection, securing for our lives and our destinies uh, once and for all everything that God had intended for us. See, this is the Pentecost that all the other Pentecosts were, were really about. This, this is the one. See, and it was never meant to be a one-time event. Um, this day, this Pentecost was, was D-Day. This was the beachhead for everything that God had ever wanted to do in and through his people. This was the day it began to happen. 
A.W. Tozer observed one time, Pentecost did not come and go. Pentecost came and stayed. With the Holy Spirit, there is no yesterday or tomorrow. There is only the everlasting now. The, the Holy Spirit was not a new concept to the Jews. He'd been around. They knew of him. He'd been in their past and their history. They knew about him in creation. They knew about him in, in um, miracles that he had done. But they, they mostly knew about him through their prophets. They, they believed their prophets were inspired by the Holy Spirit. But there hadn't been a lot of that lately. They didn't really know the Holy Spirit. So they didn't really know who he was or what he, what he did. Well, when Jesus came on the scene in his ministry, Jesus fully represented the Holy Spirit. It was like a crash course in what happens when God is present and the Holy Spirit is in charge 101. This is the first time that they could see, that we could see what the Holy Spirit would look like if he was injected into everyday life, if everyday people were the recipients on a day-to-day -day basis of the Holy Spirit's presence. But even then, they didn't understand what they were seeing. And it was kind of true of the disciples as well. They, um, they didn't get... Uh, really what was happening. It didn't sink in on them, even after the resurrection, that the fully grasping the, the full impact of what had just happened was almost beyond them. And the truth was, as they were sitting there sort of aghast and, and, and their minds blown, they knew that they were absolutely powerless to act on what they had just experienced. But God was not going to leave things in that situation. He had, he had intention to move out into this world. And so while Jesus was there in that space between his death and, or his resurrection and his ascension, he spent time in, in the, those days between uh, speaking to his disciples and kind of bringing their expectations into line with God's expectations. If you read from Acts 1.1, and we've actually read some of this before in this series, he said that my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. I think somebody walked through a wall and, and just showed up in your midst. That, you know, I mean, convincing. He appeared to them, it said, over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of, of God. What did Jesus talk about in those 40 days? He talked about the kingdom of God. He's bringing them into alignment and in agreement with what God has really intended. See, Jesus's story has to be told then and now correctly and convincingly. A church had to be formed, empowered, and mobilized. The same task was far above the disciples' pay grade. Does everyone understand it is still far above our pay grade? What the Holy Spirit is asking, what he's here and equipped, really equipped to do, and sometimes we rarely see, is far above our pay grade. God had a, this genius solution, though, Acts 1-4. On one occasion, as Jesus was eating with them, he gave them the command. This is in that middle ground there. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So they get this idea that when the Holy Spirit falls on them, there's power involved and it's, it's not something to just sit home and stew with, but it's actually gonna push them out into the world. It's, it's meant to be taken out. So this was still pretty much a riddle to, to the disciples, but they were going to do what they were told to do. What does being baptized in the Holy Spirit even mean? Well, they were about to find out. They did find out in just a couple of days after Jesus was with them. So all of that in consideration, what is it that Pentecost tells us? What, what are the messages here? Well, first of all, the day of Pentecost declared that God will be with us filling us, and giving us our true identity. God has always, now listen to this. This is, this is really key. God has always wanted to be with us. That's what all of creation is really about. God wanting to be with us. Jesus took this to an extreme, allowing himself to be incarnated, coming into, the, into a human body, living a life among us, experiencing death, uh, our sins on, on our behalf, and rising from the dead was all in this intention of, of God wanting to be with us. It proved, his resurrection proved once and for all that that was God's intention. This means that, uh, that uh, is the means by which this dynamic, this, uh, this presence and relationship God desires with me was going to be executed. That had to be put in position to make us one with God. God chose to do it like this. He was going to place his own spirit, the spirit of God in our lives. And it is through the Holy Spirit that this intimate and interlocking fellowship uh, that God had intended from the very beginning, this is how it was going to be. The Holy Spirit is God in fact, God in the moment, and God for eternity, and he lives in me. On the day of Pentecost, this promise became a new reality. This became, this became what really was for those who were followers of Jesus. The Holy Spirit had entered the world. Whereas once it was the Holy Spirit with Jesus in one spot, limited by time and space, those limitations were being lifted as he was penetrating the lives of anyone who believed. And as it's come down to us today in every nation, every tongue, every tribe, the Holy Spirit doing the same job. See, you could hear God's heart about this all the way back in the Old Testament. You know, uh, uh, God speaking to Moses in Deuteronomy uh, 31, he says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You guys know about this. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. That was God saying, I want to be with you. I want to, I want to have a role in your life. Jesus said it at the end of the, uh, of the Great Commission in Matthew 28. He said, surely I am with you always. This is what he's always wanted. This is what he's always, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. We, we hear this, you know, even as far back as, as, um, as, uh, uh, 
the point where the angel Gabriel speaks into Mary and says, you're going to have this child and you're going to name him what? Jesus or? It's church. The answer must be Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Emmanuel, which is? God with us. Well, God was with us. Jesus showed up in a bodily form and he walked this earth and God was with us and then God went back to heaven. He didn't stick around. Or did he? This is the plan all along. Jesus said in John 7, 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. That's the taking in, the receiving. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. That's the output. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him would later receive. Up to that, up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Ephesians 3.16, Paul writing about this. Yes, I pray that out of his glorious riches, you may strengthen, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart. How does Christ dwell in me? Which is what he's wanted, by the spirit who lives in me. If the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit who lives in you. Now, I need you to understand that all of this stuff going on, the Holy Spirit coming in, it makes you, this relationship makes you part of his family. How I many know that might be something to celebrate? See, this is where our true identity comes from. I had a conversation with someone out uh, before the first service talking about how frustrated they were with the people in their lives don't know who they are. Nobody seems to understand the real identity. How many of you think that's true and probably been true for years? Because your true identity only comes from the one who created you. He's the one who knows what that, that identity is supposed to be. And it only comes alive when the Holy Spirit has finally taken up residence in our life and really comes to fulfillment when you and I have been actually filled with that Holy Spirit. Then our identity becomes reality. This is our true identity. And anywhere outside of it, you're going to get lost. See, he intends to fill us. And, and he intends in filling us to displace all of that stuff that I used to pass off as the real me. Did everybody know about this? Did you know? Have you understood that there's been a change in your life since Jesus came in? Yeah, I think there should be. See, this is not a co-equal relationship. This is not you and Jesus, uh, you know, pards, buds, you know, um, me giving him counsel, him sometimes giving me counsel. This isn't co-equal. See, when we're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we're talking about him taking the lead so that somebody, finally, somebody competent is now in charge in your life. I thought that was a lot funnier than two laughs. But, <laughs> but it's, it's the truth. See, his plan for you, his idea of who you are, is significantly better than the one you've got for yourself. 
or others may project onto you. Knowing who I am in this world and for the kingdom's sake is totally dependent on letting the Holy Spirit be who he is. And there's no other way for it to happen. You'll never discover. I don't tell him what to do. He tells me what to do. It's not an equal partnership. I am a vessel in which he has chosen to live. I simply learn to cooperate. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of, the glo- of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Yeah. Then verse seven, but, <laughs> the holy but. <laughs> we have this treasure in jars of clay to prove and to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, and it isn't you, baby. Why would God want to live with us? I have no clue, but that is exactly what he has chosen to do. Our identity as a child of God connects us to a larger identity as as a member of the body of Christ, this worldwide, this, this enormous kingdom, this thing that's moving into the world. See, the church was born on Pentecost. Um, this group of dissimilar individuals were being made one by God's spirit, created to represent God's kingdom on this earth. The, the church is a crucial part of our identity in Christ. Living outside the church diminishes our true self and it diminishes the church. Trying to live outside without the the church, as many are doing, what I have been given as an individual only really works in community with the world as my focus. So, The day of Pentecost also declares, second thing, the Holy Spirit will guide and transform us. Jesus, John 16, 13. When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Here's the Holy Spirit doing this job of taking me somewhere. He's going to get me from here to there. It's his job. He's not just entering our lives to be this benign visitor who offers us occasional advice or, or possibly some random goodie. He is there to become the potent, the active, and the transfor- uh, transformational source of everything that God means for human beings to become. And it can only be done in fellowship with him. You'll never be anything else. My experience, I I ran this past my wife. She said she thought it was true. I'm speaking of myself right now, but um, I may be speaking of you too. My experience, experience is not so much that I'm living below my potential, but that the Holy Spirit has been forced to live below his, below his potential in me. And that's like the saddest thing I'm saying this morning. But unfortunately, it's true. We don't choose well, especially when I start to consider who he is measured up against who I am. 
I need him in fullness. Being with us involves so much more than just being in the house. Ah, that means being led by that same spirit. He, he's taking me somewhere. He's doing something important, and he has included me. As John Wimber used to say, he, he's, he says, I'm, I don't, I says, I'm just the mailman. I don't write the letters, I just deliver them. And that's, that's who this is supposed to be. He desires to engage me and inform me and make me fit for his purposes because he is now with me in, and in me. His voice is present. How many people I've talked to said, I've never heard God speak. Well, if you're here and you're born again, you've heard God speak. His voice has become an everyday a presence in my life. It means that God, God's will can be expressed through my life in real time, like today. It's what we do when we draw. We pray for people at the front here. We're, we're expecting God in real time to meet real needs because he is here. Being acted on and directed by the Holy Spirit is our distinctive it's the thing that makes us truly unique in this entire world. No one else, no other belief system, no other ideology has this as their reality. The living God living in us in real time, acting in and through his people moment by moment. Nobody but you and me and all those millions of other believers can, can declare that that is their distinctive. Folks, we are different. Do you, does everyone get that? I'm kind of like, I can see a whole lot of you. Some of you are like, <laughs> you know, really different. <laughs> but you understand, it, it's not oddity or weirdness. It's the Spirit of God living in me that has made me something so much more than if I was just left to my own uh, resources. Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. This is, this is what he's promising me. I can be led. Well, where is, he going to, where is he going to take me? Well, he's got to pull us into places that maybe you've never been before. But let me tell you something. Leading us also implies and also means He's going to transform us. See, he might lead us to do things, but mostly the Holy Spirit leads us to be things. Do you get that? It's not about the things I can do because he's here now, but it's about the things I can be because now the presence of God is living in my life. You know, this is really the most convincing thing about our story is a transformed life. How many of you would have to say that's true of you? Certainly true of me. How many when you got saved, people around you started saying, what happened to him? Huh? What was going on? It's just like, oh, now I go to church. I, I didn't go to church, and now I go to church. I waste a perfectly good Sunday hearing, listen to this old guy talk. No, they were noticing that something radically different was happening in your life. You were not who you were. This is the Holy Spirit's nature. He can't help it. He wants to transform you. 
into something that you never could have been without him. Let me read this in Acts. This is part of the story, uh, you know, Acts 2, 15. Now, as Peter is trying to address this and explain this transformation, he said, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Young men will see vision. The old men old guys rule. The old man will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. What's he saying? He's saying everyday people, run-of-the-mill folks, are going to be pulled into eternal activities. Things that they once thought belonged to an elite few were going to become the bread and butter of the people of God. That's what he was saying. That's what the promise meant. They were going to be pulled in. John Wimber, again, he always would say, everybody gets to play. He's talking about developing this, whatever that God is doing in my life. Uh, uh, Paul would talk about this later, about this transformational nature of the Holy Spirit in my life. He's leading me somewhere. He's, He's taking me somewhere. When he talks in Galatians 5 about the fruits of the Spirit, about this transformation of this character of Jesus being re re being planted, being duplicated, reproduced in, in me and the world benefiting. How many of you, it, did any, anybody benefit from the fact you got saved? Yeah, there's a lot of people that said, this is better. This is better. See, this is his, this is his job. He's taking you somewhere. But what is all this for? Yeah. What's it about? So the day of Pentecost also declares the third thing, that we will be equipped and empowered for mission. The mission started the moment the Holy Spirit fell. Jesus Jesus said in in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth is, is mine. He says, therefore, you go. Get up and get going and, and start repeating the things that I've taught you. To, you know, make disciples. Uh, baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit and, and, and teach them to obey all these things that I've commanded you. He said, what I've demonstrated and how I've, how I've, I've, I've walked with you and what I've taught you. Take all of that because what worked for you is going to work for all of them too. And he says, surely I'll be with you. We were on mission from the very beginning. When Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, that was a prayer about God in mission in the moment. Not way down the road, but I'm praying, Lord, on the earth, in this place, I want this to happen in and around me. This calls us to be enlisted, it calls us to be equipped, and it calls us to be engaged for the daily kingdom pursuits. Wherever you go tomorrow, wherever you go today, whether it's the job or your neighbors or whatever, there is kingdom purpose in the things that we do, if you will notice and will see. Holy Spirit's got a whole bunch of stuff. See, in believing uh, for God to act on our current situations with, with, with his powerful responses, what we are asking is for God to meet the need out of the storehouse of eternity, but bring it into the here and now. Mission began the moment the Holy Spirit arrived. This goes on, Acts 2.5. They were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews. I'm kind of doing this backwards, but I hope you go read it for yourself. 
Uh, when they heard this sound, a crowd, that's the wind and the tongues and all the things that were happening in, the, in this room, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? In other words, aren't these bumpkins? Aren't these, aren't these the, the guys from the sticks? But they said, then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, uh, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? So at that point, says, some of them ever made fun and said, they, uh, have to, they've had too much wine. I've known a few people with too much wine, and, and usually they're, they're not understandable. <laughs> so it's just, I, they had no other explanation. They had no other place to go. See, here is the Holy Spirit already on mission. He didn't even wait. The thing that happened to them in that room turns out to be this opportunity. The whole world is gathered here for Pentecost. There are people there from Africa. There are people there from Arabia. There are people there from Asia. There are people there from Europe. There are people from Population Center. There, there are people from the backwaters. There are people from islands. There are, there are people from all over almost the subtle world have gathered there, and every one of them is hearing this miracle. The Holy Spirit, who knows all those languages, has no problem for him, is filling them with this miraculous moment where they just took off. They didn't know what to expect, but here they are declaring God. Seems pretty bizarre, doesn't it? But why would we think that the Holy Spirit would do anything less? He's not a down payment. The Holy, the Holy Spirit is not some tasty sample of heaven. It is he is God arriving in the present, active and available, moving in and through his people to accomplish his end. This is the invisible being made visible to a world who desperately knows, needs to know that God is. And he's a rewarder of those who's seeking. The whole world was in God's sights on that day. See, here's the deal. I think, I think this, this was like a big deal, uh, you know, and, and, and it still is. Um, but here's the thing that I think excites God the most about this. Everyday people suddenly have access to the eternal in the here and now. Holy Spirit. And, and I think it delights, I think it delights that when God's people begin to act in those nudges, in those directions, in those moments when, when we engage in these kingdom things, the Holy Spirit is there and people's lives start to be transformed. How many of you know sometimes all I did is move people two inches towards the kingdom, but man, it was monumental. That's how the Holy Spirit. See, here's the deal. He does it naturally and he does it supernaturally. So many of us are afraid of the supernatural, the miracle. They don't happen today. Here's the problem. They don't happen today. God has not changed, and people have not changed. Seems to me like a great combination for occasional miracle. We need him to show up. See, it's only supernatural for us. Supernatural is natural for God. Everybody got that? 
See, it's like he, he operates inside and outside the laws of nature. He has no problem doing either one. We're, you know, I, I mean, the supernatural is like Tuesday for God. No big deal. We're the ones that make the distinction and argue about whether it can be, it has, it's come, it's gone, and whatever those things. We're the ones, but, but we're, and we're suspect because we want this Christianity that's predictable and that is controllable. See, remember that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done? You're not praying a predictable prayer when you do that. You're not praying a controllable prayer. You're saying, God, come in the moment and show yourself we need you now. That's that prayer. On Pentecost, the church became naturally supernatural, full of normal people who now had eternity living in them, mixed eternity with the here and now. The Holy Spirit's not everything the Holy Spirit ever planned to do and would do or is still doing was on, in evidence on the day of Pentecost, but the one who would bring it all about was. And he was doing what, was, what, what God saw as necessary in that moment, and the miracle occurred. Let me read the end of the story to you and we'll be done. Here was what happened. This is where it went. All of this stuff and noise that, that we say, oh yeah, that was the, no, I, I'm telling you, he's the same Holy Spirit. We need him just as badly today, and we need him in the natural. We need him in the supernatural. He's the same one. Let me read the end of the story. This is, is Acts 2.38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the end of this sermon that he preached as a result of them thinking everybody was drunk. He said, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everybody just say, yeah, that's me. I'm far off. <laughs> See, it was, he was talking about us. For all whom the Lord God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their, their number on that day. 3,000 from all over the world. When they finally went home, what do you think their story was? It was whatever the disciples were doing was duplicated. And whatever, whoever they told who received and believed was duplicated in them. And it, then it was duplicated again. And again, generation after generation, nation after nation, it's come down to us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit's presence. What you have called us to do is a, a rank impossibility without you. You've got the directions, you've got the blueprints, you've got the gas in the tank, you've got the engine. Lord, everything is yours, but we can be available. Father, to believe for bigger for my life, to not, not allow you to live smaller in me than you desire. I give myself, Father, and, and this church that loves you. Father, we give ourselves to the pursuit of the kingdom of heaven, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Fill us, Lord, like the, like the saints of old, like the disciples in that room, baptize us. And Lord, set us back out into the world. 3,000 in one day. I'd love to see it. That's the end, Father. And I just ask that you bless your people. Father, make yourself so real to us that nothing else, nothing else to, appears as reality. We thank you, Father, for loving us. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to catch more of this series and hear more messages like this. You can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com.